Take a look with you at uh, the call of Moses and how God called Moses and told him he was going to have him lead his people. We're going to take a look at Moses' response. I want to start by looking at Moses, the third, Exodus, the third chapter. Exodus, the third chapter, in the first four verses. And realize that Moses, you know, I think most of the time we think about Moses as, you know, wow, God called him. He was a leader, and, you know, he was out there leading the people of Israel. You know, three or four million people he was leading. And maybe we forget that, you know, Moses was called while he was leading a flock of sheep. You know, I, I think sometimes we can forget easily that God uses normal people, ordinary people. In, in Exodus, the third chapter, beginning at the first verse, it says, Now Moses was tending the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flocks to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight and why the bush does not burn. So when the, law, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the burning bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Yeah, it's got to, you know, you think about it, it's got to be pretty dramatic. I mean, Moses, he's out there tending his father-in-law's sheep. You know, probably things are quiet. He's on the back. He's on the backside of a desert. I mean, there can't be much going on. It's got to be pretty quiet. You know, he's. I don't think he had any ambitions in his head. He wasn't thinking about anything particularly. But in the midst of that, he's confronted with a bush that's on fire, and then he realizes the bush isn't burning. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed. It's burning, but it's not being consumed. And it says, so he turns, his, you know, it got his attention. Well, of course it would. Of course it would. You know, sometimes God has to do things to what? Get our attention. You know, sometimes things happen to get our attention. And he got Moses' attention, so Moses turned, and he looked to see what was going on. And then when he got, got God got his attention, God said to him, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Here I am. Now, that's, that's real dramatic, I think. I don't know. I've never, you know, never been around a bush burning that didn't get consumed. You would think that would get your attention. You would think that once it had your attention, you would do anything that the voice said. I mean, you know, you would just like, okay, I'll do whatever. We're going to find that Moses had a little different response. But I think sometimes as Christians, God can get our attention. And you would think once he had our attention, we would respond and just do whatever he said. But it doesn't always work that way. It doesn't always work that way. And so we go on to find out that Moses, he's got all kinds of excuses. Moses starts to think a little bit. You know, I, I would think most of us, you know, if we get in those situations, sometimes when we're called or we're going to do something, we think we're supposed to do something. The big danger is we start thinking. And we start considering. And we start evaluating. And we start 
just compromising the situation, I think. And so here's some of Moses' responses. In verse 3, chapter, or first, chapter 3, verse 11, Moses said to God, well, who am I sh- that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign that I have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So the first thing Moses says is, well, I don't think I'm worthy. I don't think I can do that. I don't, I don't, I don't who am I? You know, Moses looks at himself and goes, well, who am I? You know, he's tending sheep. And God calls him now to lead a group of people, and he says, I don't think I can do that. I don't think, I don't think I'm able. Who am I? And, you know, if we think that way, you know, we can all develop that who am I. Oh, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Because usually we look in our own strength, we look in our own, you know, we look at ourselves and we think, well, I, I'm not qualified. And then he goes on in verse 13. So then Moses says to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, I'll say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moses, you know, he says, well, I don't know who you are. I'm not sure who's talking to me. I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, and you would think, I don't know, would you think after a burning bush that didn't get consumed, you would start to think that maybe this was God or this was somebody important talking? But Moses says, well, I don't, I don't know who you are. What, what am I going to say? What's your name? And God said that verse that a lot of times that statement that I think is a great one. He says, I am who I am. You know, I am who I am. So then Moses, he goes on in, in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 1. So Moses answers, he says, suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So now Moses says, well, what if I go to the people and they won't believe me? What, what, if, what, if, what if I think I'm called? You know, like Lincoln, I, you know, I think this applies to the situation. You know, Lincoln believed he was called. He believed he was called to go to the campus. But, you know, what if the people don't believe me? What if nobody, Lord, what if nobody supports me? What if I go to the people and I tell them all of this and they go, I think you're crazy. You know, that's, that's what he's thinking. That's, that's his thought. That's, that's kind of a, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And then we go to verse, verse 10. Then Moses says to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. He says, Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? So now Moses says, Well, I can't do this because I can't talk very good. Kind of slow, kind of slow. I think one of the things that we have to be very careful of in our day and age now is, 
you know, with so much TV and media that I think we get the impression that everybody that gets up front or does something or leads something has to look like somebody we saw on TV. It has to be real smooth and has to have everything together and everything goes just perfectly. I think it's given us an image that I don't think is fair a lot of times because God uses ordinary people. And Moses says, I can't talk very good. I'm kind of slow. Whenever I see that, I always think, well, he wouldn't be very good on TV. Just think about it. Who'd want to put him on TV? And then, you know, Moses is up there kind of stammering along, kind of get, trying to get his words kind of slow. Wouldn't, wouldn't be a very good picture. Wouldn't be a very good picture. Because we think, we think that we have to be a certain way for God to use us. We think, well, I don't think I could do that because I can't talk eloquently. And then in verse thing, verse 13, then he says, oh, Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Moses says, could you just send somebody else? Could you send somebody else? I'll pray. I'll support them. Send somebody else. Moses had all kinds of excuses. Probably some of them were almost legitimate. You know, probably sometimes our excuses are almost to a point where they have some legitimacy to them. That they're true. That they're true. And then the Lord speaks to Moses, and we're going to go back to verse 2 in chapter 4. So the Lord says to him, what's in your hand? And Moses said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And so he cast it on the ground, and that rod became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of, our, of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So in the midst of this, the Lord says to Moses, Moses, what's in your hand? What have you got? What have you got? And Moses said, well, I got a rod. I got a rod. Moses didn't see what God saw. Do you know there's a lot of times when God calls us to do something that he sees things that we don't see? And you know, there's times when God can see things in us that we don't see. I don't know if you've ever had that. I've, I have that sometimes with young people. You can look at young people and go, wow, they've got that in them. And a lot of times they, they don't see it. But God can see all of that. And God goes, you know, I see things that you don't see. I see potential that you don't see. I can use you. I can use what you've got in your hand. What was Moses' rod? Well, it's who he was. Think about it. What was Moses, remember? When God found him, what did he find him doing? Tending sheep. Well, when you tend sheep, you carried a rod. You carried something. It represented who he was. You know, if God calls a carpenter, what's he going to say? What's that in your hand? Well, it's a hammer. You know, Moses, he said, what's that in your hand? He said, well, it's a rod. It represented who Moses was. You know, when, it, when, a, when a shepherd went through 
walk through terrain. He was in the middle of a desert and country and hilly country and probably rocks and I don't know what else. You know, he carried a walking stick at that point. The rod became something to support him. Became something to give him support and helped him to have balance as he walked. His rod was, was something he used to defend his sheep. If need be, he could use it as a weapon. He could defend the flock. It represented who he was, his livelihood. It represented what, what God used him to do to tend sheep. And so God says, I'm going to take that rod and I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Moses saw himself in that rod as he saw what it, he saw all his weaknesses. You know, when God, he kept coming back to God and saying, well, I can't do this. He saw his weaknesses. Don't we see our weaknesses so much better than our strengths? Don't we see, don't we see the things that we can't do? Oh, I can't do that. I'm not good at that. I, I can't talk very good. You know, I, I can't, I can't share with people. I can't, I can't because, because, because I see my weaknesses. I see my frailties. I see my sin. But God sees past all that. God sees past all that. And God saw Moses through his eyes. God saw beyond the weaknesses. And God saw somebody probably who deep down he knew was going to be willing once he got past all the I can'ts. Somebody that was going to be willing. God saw Moses' natural abilities. He sees our natural abilities. He sees, he sees our potential. He sees what we can do. And the key is, he sees what we can do with his help. And that's the key. It's with his help. It's what he's going to do with what we have to bring. What we have to offer, who we are. We offer it to him, and then he sees the potential of that ability in his hands. Because now we find out that Moses' rod was used for all kinds of things. We find that Moses' rod, he confronted an Egyptian, soothsayer, with his rod. We find that Moses turned water into blood with his rod. We find that Moses brought forth a plague of frogs with his rod. We find that Moses brought forth a plague of locusts with his rod. We find that Moses parted the Red Sea with his rod. We find that Moses brings water from a rock with his rod. We find that Moses brought victory over the Amalekites with his rod. Moses saw the potential of who he was from his eyes. He saw his potential in what he could do. And when God said, Moses, what's in your hand? He said, well, it's a rod. Now, to Moses, that meant one thing. But to God, it meant completely something else. Because what we see what God did with that rod. We see what God did when Moses was willing to yield himself to him and allow God to work and allow God to use him.
the big question is, so what's in our hand? If God says to us, what's in your hand? What do we have to offer? What do we have to offer? What do we have to give? What can he use that we have? What can he use and add his potential to what we have? Because I believe God creates all of us with something. Everybody has something. Jesus told a parable one time, and he said, he talked about talents. He says, you know, some got ten, some got five, some have one. Everybody's got something. Some, you know, we all got something. Now, would I disagree that some have more than others? Absolutely. Absolutely. Some have more than others. That's okay. That's just how God made us. Don't make them better or make us worse. Just everybody's different. But the moral of that parable was, use what God has given you. Because one person said, well, you didn't give me much. I better save it and protect it, and I'll hide it, and, you know, I'll hide my talent. The Bible says, you know, he was condemned for that. And then the Bible says that that talent from that one that hid it, it was given to the others who had more. God's looking for people willing to use what God has given them. Use whatever it is. If it's one talent, use it. Let God use it, because he will multiply what he has given you he will absolutely multiply what he has given you god wants to multiply i think sometimes you know i it's interesting when you when i listen to seth or seth i knew i was going to say that i knew i was going to say that he has a brother he's got lots of brothers anyway but he has a brother seth and anyway seth and i we play dartball on monday night i knew i was going to say that so anyway lincoln but you know um i like i like the idea of sharing with a person that you disciple and then that person shares with somebody else that they disciple because it's multiplying. Jesus started with 12, lost one, got 11, and look what happened. It multiplied. I think sometimes as Christians, we don't see the, the, the potential of God using us and multiplying what he's given us as individuals. And we need to take that time to spend time with individuals to multiply that. And God will use all of us wherever he has us with whatever he has given us if we'll just allow him to work. And sometimes like Moses, if we just won't give him all the excuses why we can't. I mean, there's tons of reasons why we can't. You know? Well, I'm not, it makes me nervous, you know? I remember, I'll just share this personally. I remember when I was about 20 years old, around 20 in that area. You know, as you get older, it's like in that area, okay? <laughs> but around 20, I, would, I had opportunity to teach Sunday school, teach adult Sunday school. And I remember literally getting sick every Sunday before I taught. Now, that doesn't sound bad, except when you're supposed to be teaching and two minutes before you teach, you're back in the bathroom. That is not a good thing. And I remember what a horrible thing that was. And I don't know for what reason, but I pushed and pushed and must have been a God-given thing inside of me. But I pushed that, but it would have been a tremendous excuse to say, oh, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. This is too hard. This is too hard. And now, thank goodness, 
I don't get sick. <laughs> I don't get sick, you know. But, you know, there's things that we do sometimes that we just got to, we just got to say, you know what? I want to do this. I want to do what God's called me to do. I want to let him use my potential. Because we can all come up with excuses. But just find out what it is you can do and do that thing. It might be one talent, but do that one and do it to the glory of God. Do whatever it is that God has given you to do. Because he's the one that will multiply it. It's his, it's his desire. It's his will. He's the one that wants to use us. Turn to John, John the fourth, the sixth chapter. In John the sixth chapter, starting at the fourth verse. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, "What shall, where shall we buy bread that we may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Philip answered him and said, Well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus says, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. A little boy. A little boy. What do you have in his hand? Five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. And what did Jesus do? He said, take that and I will multiply it. I will multiply it. And he fed 5,000 people. And there was 12 baskets full left over now think about that. Why can't God use your talent and multiply it? Why wouldn't he want to multiply what we have? Why wouldn't we, he want to multiply whatever he's given us? It's his desire. It's his will. But we have to be willing to let him. We have to be willing to give it to him. We have to be willing to trust him. And we can come up with, well, I don't think that'll work. You know, as a church, as a church, you know, we, I, you know, I think a lot about it, you know. Well, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to do it? And I, I was thinking yesterday and today, I was thinking how God has changed my thinking. How changed my thinking. You know, because it's different now. You know, we're in a different place. It's a different setting. It's a different way that God will probably work through us. And we have to be willing to hear and let him use whatever we have and give it to him and trust him because God always wants to multiply. He always wants to multiply. And he'll multiply whatever it is we have if we just give it to him. Doesn't matter who we are. 
doesn't matter what our gift is, what our talent is, what our ability is. doesn't matter about our weaknesses, our failures. doesn't matter. He'll take whatever we give to him and he will multiply that and use it in his kingdom. Use it wherever he has us. He puts us all in different places with different people. Different opportunities. Different opportunities. You know, what an opportunity to be on a whole campus of, you know, 20, 30,000 kids. Now, there's an opportunity, <laughs> you know. But, you know, Lincoln can't think about sharing with 20 or 30. Well, he can, but, you know, what, what's his opportunity to share with 20 or 30,000? But he can start with one and then another and then see what God puts in his place and in his hand to share with. You, get, you just got to start wherever you're at. And let God multiply it. Let God use us. Because it's his desire. It's his desire. The Bible says God so loved the world that none should perish. Well, if none should perish, then it must be up to us to share. It must be up to us. And so my prayer is that each of us, we look at what's in our hand. But when you look at it, look at what God has given you, but then be careful not to say, yeah, but. You know, because God's given us different talents and abilities. But if we're not careful, we can go, yeah, but. Because God will eliminate all of that. And he'll use whatever it is he's given you. You know, the Bible says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, it's by his spirit. God will take your talent, your ability, whatever's in your hand, and God will use it in his kingdom, whatever that is. So we give it to him and we trust him. Simple, simple ways to spread his word and his love and his kingdom to the world around us. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that, that you love each and every one of us. That, Lord, you've, you've given us all something. Talents, abilities. Lord, help us to see what's in our hand. And, Lord, then help us to take whatever's in our hand and to give it to you and allow you to add your spirit and to use us. Lord, we thank you that it's your desire to multiply whatever it is you've given us. That, Lord, you'll multiply that and you'll use it in ways that we have no idea we would have never thought. So, Lord, just help us to see with your eyes. Give us a glimpse, Lord, of what it is you want us to do. And then, Lord, just help us to trust you and allow you to work through us. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, I pray if there's anyone this morning that would like prayer, anything that they would like someone to agree with them and pray with them about, Lord, you'd encourage them to come up and, and let Tom and Pam pray with them up front here after the service. Lord, we pray you dismiss us now with your blessing. Lord, as we go forth, just remind us to look and see what's in our hand throughout this week and where you would give us opportunity to use the talents and abilities you've given us. We just pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.